New Community Church. How y'all doing? All right, you're all right. You're starting to wake up. We'll get there. Uh, my name is Sarah. I'm one of the pastors here at NCC. So pumped that you are worshiping with us this morning. Welcome to those of you who are worshiping with us online. Um, and this morning we are continuing this series we've been going through called Garden City. And this is based on a book by John Mark Comer that has really shaken up me and Aaron, our lives personally, and also our staff went through it. And we've really enjoyed that. Hope it's been, has it been a good series? Have you liked it so far? Really focusing on work and and today we get to talk about rest, right? I mean, you get to come to church today and hear about rest. That's a pretty good day, I would say. Um, and every week we've, we've been giving away one of these books um, because we really believe in, in the truth that's found in here from Scripture. And so today I'm going to give away a book. And I want to give it away to someone. Did anybody take a nap yesterday? Hey, it's yours, Val. <laughs> You already have one. Did anyone else take a nap yesterday? All right, here you go. Here you go. Yep, come on up and get it. Give her a hand, y'all. <laughs> so we are going to talk about rest. And napping, you know, is part of that, an important part of that. But actually, um, as I was digging into this topic, it reminded me of whenever I was in junior high, I discovered a gift that I had. We've been talking about gifts and, and things that God has made us to do. And I discovered in seventh grade something that I was really good at, and it was cleaning. I got really good at cleaning a house. I know it's not very exciting for you, but I have very tangible memories of being in seventh grade and taking a day to scrub, light a candle, dust everything, clean every little part of our house. And then we had this big bay window, and I would lay on the floor on the carpet with the sun shining in onto my face. And I just felt this peace that comes from, you know, a job well done, that I'm like, hey, I did something really hard. I get to lay here and just enjoy the scent of the candle in the clean house. But this actually ended up creating a pretty hazardous cycle in my life. And it was that rest became something I had to earn. It was something that I got maybe after I worked really, really hard. Then I got a little bit of time to lay in the sun and enjoy the fruit of my labor, and then it was back to the grind, you know? And, and what we see in Scripture is not that definition of rest. Has anybody else gotten into that cycle where rest becomes a privilege, something that we have to earn and, and get, but that is not what we see in the scripture. So we're going to go to the scriptures this morning, um, and we're going to see what God has to say about rest, because here's the danger, is you fast forward my life from my little seventh-year-old brain to uh, I'm, I'm 22 years old. I have a two-year-old and a newborn baby. I am finishing my teaching degree. I'm student teaching, which means you teach full-time and don't get paid for it, in case you didn't know. Um, and we're also youth pastors, um, so we're busy all the time. There's kids at our house all the time. And this one day, these, these girls are over visiting, and one of the girls goes, there's goldfish crushed in your carpet. You don't have time to have a vacuum? And I'm like, oh, just now, now I can go, oh, come on, go ahead and grab that vacuum girl, you know? But then this shame came over me of, I don't have time to sit here and rest. I don't have time to, to take a break because I got kids and I got so much to do. And that's what we tend to do in this cycle. We add, our to-do list gets longer, right? And soon we find ourselves where we have so much to do, we have no time to rest. And y'all, that is not biblical. It's not how God designed us to live. So let's go to the scriptures, and we're going to find this. Rest is not 
A few things rest is not. It's not a reward for hard work. That is not true. And let me tell you, the first time I saw someone post that, it was my mentor. She posted, rest is not a reward. And I was like, um, I kind of feel like it is. And really had to wrestle through that. We're going to see how that's true. Rest is not laziness. Rest is not just laying around on the couch playing video games, eating Cheetos, okay? That's not how we define rest or how God defines rest. Rest is not about rules. Rest is not about what you don't do, okay? Um, So what is rest? Let's go and we're going to start at the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 2 because we're going to see right away rest is part of God's rhythm. Rest is part of God's rhythm. God's rhythm, his way of doing things has rest in it, okay? So if you look in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1, if you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphones, if you have a tablet, if you have any way to interact with Scripture, we want to interact with Scripture because Scripture shapes our lives, y'all. Yes, I love it. All right, so Genesis chapter 2. Here we see, so the creation of the heavens and earth and everything in them was complete. And on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day. Say blessed. Blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested, say rested, rested, from all his work of creation. Okay, so that verb rested in the Hebrew is Shabbat. Shabbat. Sounds like Sabbath, right? Yeah, that's where it comes from. And that verb means to cease, to stop, but it had this connotation along with it that we don't often see when we talk about rest in our culture, and that was to celebrate. It was this joyous rest that came from just enjoying the fruit of our labor, okay? And that's what God does. We see God rest. Now, the other word here that I want to call attention to is blessed. When it says God blessed this seventh day, that blessed word is barak. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. So hold on to that in your mind. But we see this picture here from the beginning of creation. Sin has not entered the world, okay? This is perfection right now. And we see that here, in the middle of perfection, God rests. So we talked about this a few weeks ago when we had our our annual Sabbath Sunday. Aaron spoke a lot about Sabbath and what that looks like. So if you missed that, you can go back and look a little bit more into the principle of Sabbath. Today we're just going to focus on this topic of rest. And so you see God give this command to his people, in the example to his people, of resting. But you fast forward, right? Sin enters the world, and we see the, the Israelite people that God calls out through Abraham. God's going to set aside these people that are going to reflect his character to the world. Um, but then they face famine, and God rescues them out of it through Joseph. So they all go over to Egypt, and they're in Egypt, right, because of the famine. And then they get stuck there. And very quickly, um, over time, they find themselves stuck in slavery in Egypt. And then we know the story. God raises up Moses. God rescues his people out of slavery. And so then we're going to find ourselves um, where God reemphasizes and reorients his people back to rest. And this takes place um, in Mount Sinai. So God's brought his people out of Egypt, and they're hanging out here. They're, they're out of slavery And they're about to have their first face-to-face encounter with Yahweh, their God, and it scares them to death. So they're, they're at the mountain, and God, it looks like the mountain's on fire because God is on the mountain, and they're like, hey, we're gonna hang right here. Moses, 
go ahead and head up there and find out what God's having to say and then just bring it back down to us, right? So we're going to stay here where we're safe. So Moses goes up, he comes down, what does he bring? He brings these stone tablets, right? With God's, these 10 principles, these 10 commandments that kind of get a bad rap, but they were God's way of showing the people, here's how I want you to live. You're going to go reflect my character, my goodness to the world around you. Here's how I want you to live. And of these 10 things, imagine trying to sum up the best way to live in 10 principles. Okay, so that's hard enough as it is, but God gives one for rest. Let that sink in a second. Let's look at this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it says, God is saying, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, livestock, any foreigners living among you. In six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So if you pause and think, God is about to give his people these 10 core principles, and he has to tell them to rest. It seems kind of crazy. We like our rest, right? But if you think about, like, look at what it looks like for a kid to rest, right? What happens when you tell a kid that it's nap time? Oh, they want to go lay down, and they roll around, and they fight it, and fight it, and fight it, and then you get to this sweet spot where you turn the corner, and rest becomes a treat, right? Rest is a punishment for a while, and then it becomes something we revel in. We're like, oh, to get a nap would be lovely, right? If somebody made me go home and take a nap today, I'd be thrilled about it, but God knows this is on our nature. It is in our nature that we forget to rest because we tend to, to tie our value to our production. We tend to look at our lives and we gauge our lives and define our lives by what we do, right? When you ask someone about themselves, usually the first question after you ask their name is, what do you do for a living? We define our lives by what we do. And God knew this about us, but God here is saying, hey, I've told you don't kill, okay? Don't commit adultery, don't steal. But here's what's crazy. The longest commandment is the one about rest. So imagine that, that God's going, don't steal, don't kill. Hold on. We're going to talk about rest, and I have something to say here. And he's going to elaborate, because that's how important this principle is to us living the way that God has designed us to live. Why? Because rest is part of God's rhythm. And we are called to reflect him to the world around us. And in the way that we live, certainly by not stealing and killing and committing adultery, but also by resting, we reflect God's rhythm and his character to a watching world. And so we know we're going to visit one more spot where God brings us back around. So here they got the reminder, right? They get the commandments. And now they, off they go. They're going to go into the promised land, only now nah, they forgot and, and they started messing everything up, right? And an entire generation has to die off before they're ready to enter the promised land the way that God's called them to enter it. And so we find ourselves in Deuteronomy, uh, going to what the Jewish scholars call the second Torah, the second law. And here we see Moses is going to remind this new generation that has grown up in the desert, they don't really remember slavery. And so 
Moses is going to remind them of the law before they go into the promised land. So look in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Very similar to Exodus. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. This includes you, your sons, daughters, male, female servants. But look at the end. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Do you catch that difference? In Exodus, God's command to observe the Sabbath, to rest, is tied to us reflecting him. And then when he reminds his people in Deuteronomy, he says, remember where you came from. You are no longer slaves. And so here we see that not only is rest a reflection of God's rhythm, but rest is resistance. Rest is our way of resisting this pull to constantly produce. If you look at the culture of Egypt and what they were living in and what they were drawn from before, Egypt was addicted to more. More cities, right? You, you look at how they drove them as slaves, more bricks. Bricks for what? For more buildings, more pyramids, more statues, more stuff, more places to store all of our extra stuff. Does this sound familiar at all? It should, okay, because we're not that far away from that culture of Egypt. But here's the thing. Slaves don't, don't get to rest, right? They don't get a day off because they're not really human. Their value is found strictly in what they produce. And that kind of a society that is driven to more and more and more, it needs somebody to do the work. And so society that is insatiable in its hunger is going to find its reward by pulling from other people who do the bulk of the work, and that's typically slavery or very close to it. So why would God have to remind his people not to go back to that? Because we tend to forget. We tend to forget how bad things were before when we get to a good place, right? So rest is resistance against Pharaoh, against Egypt, and that mentality of more. Unless you think we're beyond it, if you just take a quick look at our modern society now, do we really still need his reminder to rest? Do we still need a reminder that we should not be addicted to producing, not tying our value to what we do all the time. Probably now, yes, more than ever. Consider that the world's richest 1%, most of whom live in the United States of America, own 43.4% of the world's wealth. Almost half of the world's wealth sits in this country. That's crazy. Consider that since 1950, the per capita income of Americans has tripled Three times. The average size of American homes has gone up about 50%, but our family size has gone down 50%. We have more space for less people. We have more money than ever before, more production, more of everything that we could ever want, and yet we are more miserable than we've ever been. If you look at the numbers, it's pretty staggering. 13% of Americans, this is just an estimate right now, that took place before COVID, 13% of Americans on antidepressants, more than one in 10. One in five adults is experiencing mental illness, one in six children under the age of 18 experiencing mental illness, anxiety, depression. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 to 34. That should scare us a bit. What is going on? 
we have more than we've ever had. We have more technology than we've ever had, right? Like, think of all the technology that has come about in the last 50 years, from microwaves to dishwashers to cars that go faster and farther than ever before. Like, we're advancing technology, and yet we're busier than we've ever been. There were actually estimates done in the 60s where they were so concerned about what we were going to do with our time when we got to the 80s because they estimated that the work week would only be 22 hours by the time they got all this advanced technology in place. How nuts is that? They, they really did believe that technology would create space for us, but what have we done with the space? We filled it with more, more to do, more stuff, more action, more work. And it's not just work like professional work. Did you know that the, the uh, APA, the Psychology Society, they believe that the average American, no matter your age, spends 11 hours a day engaging with a screen? Now, we can go, yeah, you know, some of that is for work, but a good chunk is not. We have, we have a problem. And it, it's not like we're just filling up our days with the work of the work that we get paid for. We're filling it up with more other work that we do. We need rest more than ever, and rest is this resistant, it's this pushback to this insatiable desire for more. The whole point is not that we continue to accumulate more. That's not how it works. We rest, and it's our way of saying enough is enough. You are not a machine. You are not a machine. You cannot run 24-7 and expect there to be no consequences. You can't run yourself ragged all of the time and fill every day from sunup to sundown with activities and stuff and then wonder why you feel wiped out and exhausted, why life feels a little bit meaningless, why you feel less fulfilled. Because we're not living according to God's principle of rest. It seems so simple and yet it is so challenging. Rest is our resistance and says, I'm free. I am more than what I produce. I am more than what I do. I am no longer a slave. I don't have to live that way anymore. There is no quota, no one standing over you telling you you have to do more and more and more. That internal voice, shut that voice up. Because we live according to a different principle. Rest is an expression of our faith. It's an expression of our faith. God invites us to rest that Shabbat, remember, to cease and to celebrate as a reminder that we don't live under this human economy anymore. When we come to Jesus, we have a new king. We have a new kingdom that we belong to, and we live under his economy. And his economy works a little bit differently than the one that we're typically used to. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, remember when I said to hold on to that word barak, that bless? That word bless there literally has this connotation of multiplication. So if you look at when God says it over the living creatures, it makes sense, right? He blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply. And then he looks at humans and he said, he blesses them, be fruitful and multiply. And then he blesses Sabbath, rest, and it has this fruitfulness and multiplication about it. When we rest God's way, we start to see something incredible happen. You take a day and all of a sudden, the other six days are so much more productive than they ever were before because we're living according to God's math. I think about it like this. When I'm about to go on vacation. Our family's going on vacation this week, and I already have a note open on my phone for all the ideas I'm going to get. Does this happen to you? 
Like all of a sudden you create space for your mind and you're like, oh, why didn't I see that before? And you're solving problems that you were like just, you know, trying to mull over and wrestle through before. But it comes to you like that when you're resting. There's space, right? And that's what this looks like. According to God's math, when we take that 24 hours to rest, when we take on this principle of rest, we see more happening in the six days we have left. It's, It's just like tithing. Consider that principle of God's economy. We give the first 10% of our money to the Lord, and then he says, just wait till you see what I can do with the rest of the 90%. When we have this principle, all of a sudden, like, we don't know how, but the bills are still paid, and we still had some left over. It's like Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? Somehow, you started with less, and you ended with more. That's God's math. That's supernatural. That's the kingdom we belong to. Because rest is an expression of our faith. When we take that time to say, Lord, I'm going to give you this time as rest. I'm going to check out. I'm going to enjoy my connection with you and the world that you created for me. All of a sudden, the rest of our time is multiplied. Lastly, rest is about relationship. Rest is about relationship. You heard me say at the beginning, rest is not about rules. But if you look in chapter Mark, we're going to go to the New Testament. So here's Jesus and his disciples. They find themselves under another slavery type of situation under the Roman rule, okay? And Jesus and his disciples are walking along, and it's Sabbath, and his disciples just kind of graze their fingers over a field and grab some grain. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are saying, no, 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 you can't do that. You cannot do that. That's against the rules. You can't, you know, get any grain on your Sabbath. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Have you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days of Abiathar and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for you. You're not made for the Sabbath. This is not about a rule. This is about a relationship, a relationship that we have. So after cycles of slavery and forgetfulness in the Old Testament, what we find here in the New Testament is that the religious leaders, they'd done something they call building a fence. Basically, they were afraid that they were going to end up back in a situation where they weren't following God's laws. And so they built a fence around God's laws and took it a little bit farther. So God says to keep the Sabbath day holy. So what does that look like? Let's go ahead and spell it out for you. Um, You're not allowed to do any kind of work. You're not allowed to harvest grain. You're not. So they added all these little laws in to try to help them to, to keep the rest, but they missed the entire point. And the entire point is that Sabbath is about us connecting to our creator. We're not, we're not doing this to follow a rule. We're doing it because we reflect his character, right? And so Jesus' disciples find themselves at odd with, odds with these religious leaders But this rest that Jesus has called us to, that God has called us to, it doesn't make us a slave to the the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a blessing to us. Rest is about connecting with our creator, him reminding us who we are and who he is. We take this time of rest, and what do we remember? Oh, Lord, I don't have it all under my control. There are times I think I do, Lord, and I don't. I'm going to take this time, and I'm going to let you do what only you can do, and I'm going to take my hands off of everything. I'm reconnecting with him. I'm reconnecting to my community, to my family. I'm creating space so that we can actually have 
time together to just rest, to not do, to not be busy, but just to enjoy one another's company. It's not that complicated. It's just really challenging. And when we rest God's way, we're reminded that everything our soul desires, it's not found in this world. It's found in him. We can get caught up in this cycle of more, 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 driven by desires in us that are never going to be satisfied by anything we find in this world. We're not going to be satisfied by more money. We're not going to be satisfied by that promotion, by more stuff to do, by a bigger house. All of the rest that we do is to remind us that, that we are gods and everything we need is found in him. So one of the cool things, that when I was in college, I got to take a trip to Israel. And um, it was back in the day when you actually had to, like, take pictures with cameras that had film in them, you know? And then you had to, like, wait until you got back. And so I have, like, 12 rolls of film developed at my house. And I, t- I like, literally tracked every single picture that I took in a notebook so that I would know what each picture was. And there's a picture, I've, I wish I could have found it to show you guys, but it's a picture of uh, Friday evening, we were driving from the northern area of, of Israel down to Jerusalem, and everywhere you went, there were all these soldiers and people standing at the bus stations, and so we asked, asked our tour guide, what's going on, is there like an event, and he said, no, it's Sabbath. And so in Israel, every single person who turns 18 is required to be in the military, But every single week, when it's Friday at dusk, everyone is released, everything shuts down, and everyone goes home for Sabbath. And it was the most beautiful thing I'd seen. We were staying in this hotel in Jerusalem, and it was like there was a party going on. There were literally like tables of food out and grapes. People were just hanging out in droves. It It was beautiful. And I thought, why don't we have this in the church? Why don't we have this daily time where we just stop and enjoy one another, where we just spend time reconnecting with one another, reconnecting with the Lord and just enjoying being at rest together? And listen, I, I had a moment a couple of, of months ago. I started working a full-time job. It's been a while since I'd worked full-time, especially since we've been here as, as pastors at New Community Church. And I had this moment on a Sunday afternoon where I was like, Lord, I am tired. Like, I worked all week, Monday through Friday. We had stuff going on with the kids on Saturday. We came to church Sunday. You know, I was serving. And then Sunday afternoon, I'm tired. And I thought, Lord, I think I'm going to have to step down from some of the spaces I'm volunteering in at church. And listen, there's, there's nothing wrong with recognizing the season that you're in and knowing when to step away. But that wasn't my problem. What immediately God says, why do you assume that if you're tired, you need to subtract from your serving your community? Why don't you assume you need to subtract from another area of your life, Sarah? Because that's a really important part that I've called you to. And I thought that can be our temptation is that we go, we walk away from this message and we say, all right, God, I need to rest. So I'm going to take, you know, every Sunday and I'm not going to serve anything at church. Like, I'm just going to enjoy the time to... No, we, we can't just lay aside our responsibility of the work God has called us to. That's not the point. The point is maybe I subtract from my Saturday. Maybe I have to run my errands during the week or in the evenings. Maybe I have to pull my kids out of soccer because we need to have a day where we're able to just rest together. 
Do this with wisdom and according to God's principles for your life and who God's called you to be. Um, Let's pray together. You may be with us this morning, and this may all sound a little bit out of the ordinary because you're new to faith or you weren't raised in faith or maybe you were raised in church, but definitely we did, you, know, you were not raised to talk about rest. But the most important part of this, hopefully, that you will hear and walk away with is that we are designed to have a relationship with our creator, and he wants to be the number one person in our lives When we surrender ourselves to him, we find ourselves in this new rhythm, in this new kingdom, in this new economy that he leads us into. And there's nothing like it because that's where we find our fulfillment. And so this morning, if you need to recommit your life to Jesus, you need to say, Lord, I'm I'm taking my hands off the wheel and I need you to come and show me how to live. Or you need to do that for the very first time. You've never done that before. I want to pray with you. We're going to pray together. And everybody in the room, everybody online, pray these things out loud so that we are joining with them in this prayer. Jesus, I come to you, and I know I have messed up. I have lived life my own way. I have done things the way I wanted to. And I'm not living according to your plan. Please forgive me. Please come and be my savior. Please take leadership over my life. I surrender myself to you. Come and have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you put your hands together for anyone this morning who committed their life to Jesus? And we have been real practical in this this series. We're going to take a moment here in a second. We're going to have a discussion time. But before that, if you committed your life to Christ this morning, if you needed to hit that reset, you needed to reconnect, um, we have a new life team that would love to come alongside you, you, give you some resources, show you what this looks like, because you're not meant to do this alone. And so you can scan that QR code. You can let us know that you prayed that prayer this morning, that you want to learn more about your faith in Jesus, and we will connect you with that new life team. For all of us, we're also going to have a time to just practically discuss our follow-up to this message. And so we have some questions that are going to go up here on the screens. Um, If you could comfortably, if you need to move out of your seat, make sure no one is alone and engage with a couple of people that you either came with or are sitting near. And just be honest and talk through these questions. What's the biggest challenge for you to take a Sabbath weekly? for you to take a full 24-hour period to just rest. What are the challenges you're facing? What obstacles do you need to overcome there? Uh, It's easier than ever to work around the clock. What practices or tips have helped you to make sure you're resting daily, that you're taking space and time to rest every day? And then what restful activities bring you joy? What are things that you just enjoy doing that aren't work, that are restful and just fill you back up? And so if you take a moment, circle up. Those of you who are worshiping online, please don't check out. If you can chat and engage in the chat box together, this is a really important part of our spiritual growth to have these spiritual conversations. And so let's take a few minutes. There's going to be a countdown timer. Circle up and have these conversations.